Well, talking of serving people, in uh, October, many of you know, because you've been heavily involved in this, uh, we host what is, has become known as the Global Leadership Summit. And hopefully, when you came in this morning, you were given one of these. Were you given one of these when you came in? Oh, jolly good, great stuff. And uh, I, I want to spend this morning uh, looking at the Global Leadership Summit, partly, partly, to encourage any of you who would like to volunteer to help with that, uh, but, but actually more importantly, really, to in, encourage you to consider actually coming along as an attendee. Why is that a good idea? Well, I'm going to spend some time thinking about that. First off, I mean, from uh, purely financial points of view, if you register through our church website, you know, thevineyardchurch.co.uk slash GLS, or on our app, go to What's On, and at the bottom of all the What's On, you'll see there. If you register before September 10th, you get 65% off. I mean, it's the, actually the bargain of the century. So, you know, I wanted to get that in right at the beginning, because I'd probably forget otherwise once I get into, you know, what we want to do this morning. But the, the Global Leadership Summit, we as a church have always seen it as a marvelous opportunity to serve the wider church. This year, 260,000 pastors, leaders, people will attend the Global Leadership Summit worldwide. And we've been doing it here for probably about nearly 10 years, I guess, something like that. And we've seen the thing grow. We commonly see 400 plus leaders, team members uh, coming to this place to, to spend two days thinking about leadership uh, through video cast presentations and the rest. And, and it's been an absolute privilege to host that, to facilitate that for, for churches around the southeast of England. And we're expecting no less this year. But increasingly, as time has gone on, I think what we've realized is that it's not just about leadership. You know, we are all leaders to some degree or another. You know, you, you may think, well, I'm not a leader. I'm the sort of lowest, you know, or that lowest person in, on the rung of a ladder at work, and I just, you know, I'm on my own, I'm single, and all the rest of it. Well, there's self leadership. What do you do with your time? How do you manage your time? We are all leaders to some degree or another. So over the years, this, this awareness has, has meant that people hosting global leadership summits have always encouraged their own people, as it's right on your doorstep, to come along and, and participate in it. It's, it's fantastic, the lineup of speakers. I mean, the, this year we've, we've got uh, Bill Hybels, the leader of the Chicago church that Fliss and myself find so helpful. Brian Houston, he heads up Hillsong or did until recently. The, the, it's a mixture of church, it's a mixture of business, it's, it's a mixture of charity, it's a mixture of media. I see that they've got the co-founder of Pixar Animations coming to speak. So you'll get you know, high spirituality and you'll get you know, good business thinking and you get just interesting people coming and sharing their insights about self-leadership. So it's a wonderful opportunity. Why am I so excited about this? Because I've seen it work, but actually Fliss and myself, we have our own little story to tell about the Global Leadership Summit and why it has become so much a part of who we are and why we are so grateful to the Lord Jesus for bringing us into this sphere of influence. But before we get into that, I want to whet your appetite with a little presentation, the sort of thing that you would get if you come to the Global Leadership Summit. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, guys.
Father God, send your Holy Spirit to harness all our desires into you, the living God. May we place all of our longings and our passion behind your vision, that one great thought that Jesus is Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Desire. Desire. We all have desire. Now, at varying stages of our life, desire places different, plays different roles. And as you get older, it's tempting to believe that desire begins to fade. That desire is a young person's thing. But actually, there is a heart afire within us which God puts there, and it's something that is there to drive us to seek his face. I'm afraid that at my age, sometimes my desire is simply for a bit of peace and quiet. But actually, this element, this part of our genetic code, if we can call it that, is there to drive us deeper into God. The psalmist put it this way, Psalm 42, verses one and two. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? There's that challenge, that thing we call desire, which so often can be diverted into a passion for a a new job, a new house, a new relationship, a new toy, a new this, a new that, actually is there to give energy and fire and passion in our pursuit of God. All this year we've been saying that we as a community, as we face many challenges and diverse challenges, are needing to press in in order to press on. Press into God in order to press on. All too often people just get busy, they just wanna press on, whatever that is. But actually we need to press in in order to press on. In 2004, Felicity and I were on sabbatical, three months away. The, you as a church gave us permission and gave us the resources to, to get some R&R. I remember it was quite a momentous time. I remember, for example, being in the States and getting a phone call at five in the morning. And it was Jill Yon, our business manager. By, by, by the way, do pray for Jill Yon. She broke her leg and it's a nasty break and she's recovering now. So do pray for John, uh, Jill. And we got a phone call from her and she said, we've got it. And the it was this place. After months of struggle and months of hassle and years of searching, we had finally been able to sign for this place. That was something of a relief. Mercifully, that news came early in the sabbatical so that we could relax. It was in the bag. We'd bought this old Audi VW prep shop and we were looking forward to, to developing it. I remember being in, uh, um, uh, what's the, David Parker, thank you, David Parker, the vineyard pastor at Lancaster Vineyard in the deserts, 
We were in his lounge and he said to us, he said, he, he challenged us about how we might view this place and what we might expect from it and how we might develop it. It was a, a seminal moment. It was, it was really an important time for us. But the very last thing we did on that sabbatical, and quite frankly, I was ready to come home. I was pretty tired of traveling and living in suitcases and, 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 and what have you. And Fliss said, I really think we should go to Chicago, to the Global Leadership Summit. And I said, oh, do we have to? Oh my gosh, you know, really? really? Oh, okay, all right. So I went with very low expectations, counting the days before I could get on the plane and come home. And we went to that place, and almost from day one, almost from hour one, almost from minute one, something clicked, something engaged. It was extraordinary. It was like a mini revival for Fliss and myself. There were three things that I, I recall particularly. First of all, I remember that, that in the midst of it all, and somehow God did this thing. Thank you very much. That's great. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. Very thoughtful. I'll take a sip of that. In the midst of it all, uh, I found a desire to rediscover my, my first love. I'd been in the ministry by that time, probably by about 20 years. And all sorts of good things were happening and I was excited, but the fact of the matter was that that sort of passion for Jesus, that desire to spend time with him when I had my own downtime, had, had waned somewhat. And in this conference, suddenly I began to sort of get an appetite again for, for knowing Jesus and for, for finding out more about him. I also rediscovered the love of learning. I discovered in this context that there were, there were lots of things about leadership that were completely new to me. I remember Fliss and myself at, at the end of every session, we'd look to one, at one another and we'd say, wow, wasn't that amazing, isn't that true? Wow, wasn't that amazing? And just the appetite we had to learn new things, it was totally a God moment for us. It was exciting, it was energizing, and all the good input that we'd had from three months sabbatical, having many rich experiences, suddenly in these last few hours of sabbatical, were coming together, and we were rediscovering a passion for Jesus and a desire for learning. The other thing that happened was that we found ourselves falling in love with the local church. One of the things we're fond of saying is that the local church is the hope of the world when the local church is working right. The local church is the hope of the world, yes, when the local church is working right. And that had been an important thing for us because we had come out of the world, you know, neither of us had Christian backgrounds, and although we very quickly fell in love with Jesus at the beginning of our, uh, our Christian walk, we had a problem with the local church, in fact, any church, and, and it took time to rediscover Jesus' passion for the church. And over the years, you know, as pastors, you take a few hits, you take a few disappointments, you take a few setbacks, all the rest of it. You know, we were still up for it, but I think that passion, that desire was beginning to wane again. And so here in this place at the Global Leadership Summit, we rediscovered that excitement, that awesome sense of potential of what 
what God could do through his bride, which is the church. And then thirdly, and I could go on and on and on, there was a sense of holy grief because God revealed the state of my heart. I had become a little proud. I'd become a little self-righteous. Things were beginning to happen here. It was getting interesting. I think we had four or 500 people. We just bought this place. That was a tremendous coup. Lots of people thought we'd never be able to do it, and somehow we managed to buy this place. And I was feeling good about myself in the wrong sort of way. God wants us to feel good about ourselves. God wants us to know that we're his son, his daughter, and precious in his eyes. That should make us feel good about ourselves. But 11 years ago, I was beginning to feel good about myself in the wrong sort of way. A little bit proud and a little bit arrogant, maybe. I don't know, arrogant, I don't want to beat myself up, but I was proud and certainly a little self-righteous. And I remember crying out to God and saying, oh God, help me put Jesus at the very center of my life and the very center of this ministry. Let us be proud of him and what he has done. And I asked God to begin to continue to reveal the state of my heart. And all of this began, I'm sure God had been working up to it, began through the trigger that was the Global Leadership Summit. In these last 10 minutes or so, I'm going to give you a taste of the summit. We're going to listen to 10 minutes of a talk by a chap called Tim Keller. We've had phenomenal speakers. We've had Tony Blair, we've had Bono, we've had Richard Curtis, who does all the sort of lovely English comedy films. We've had great speakers like T.D. Jakes. We've had Owen McManus, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Fantastic speakers, this broad breadth. But I remember this particular talk by Tim Keller as being really instrumental in my own personal revival. You'll, you'll see in just a moment. But by way of background, let me just read you Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. Darling, could you just pass my glasses there? I think they're underneath there somewhere, are they? <clears throat> are they? No, okay, well, I'll, I'll manage them. This is gonna be called prophetic reading. I'll be all right, honestly, I'll be fine, yeah. <laughs> Father, I just pray now that as we read this lovely, lovely account of restoration, that Lord God, uh, thank you, Mike. Are you all looking after me today? Oh my, giddy aunt. <laughs> thank you, Mike, they're not gonna help me. I'll be fine. <laughs> Bless you, buddy. Okay. Father, just help me now. This passage is Jesus' teaching. It'll be familiar to some of you, and for others, it'll be like just the first time you ever heard it. And he's teaching in the company of the scribes and Pharisees who are the religious leaders, and they were pretty, they were pretty self-righteous. But in all of that, the teaching about things that have been lost being found again. So Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the youngest son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country and who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and, and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has been back, come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours was squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now many a great preach has come out of that passage. Wonderful passage. And I'm tempted to go off on one. But I prayed about it and I particularly want you to hear Tim Keller's GLS take on this story. We're only going to watch 10 minutes. It lasted about 40 minutes, but it'll suffice. Thank you, guys. I hope you're clear about the distinction that Tim Keller was making there. God doesn't owe us a thing. Whatever the sacrifice, whatever the, the service, however many years you've followed God, whatever you've done in his name, you may have done wonderful things. But the fact of the matter is that nothing that we can do or construct in this life earns us a place in heaven. It's the other way around. God in Christ has won for us this extraordinary, generous, 
sacrificial salvation. And in the light of that, he calls us son, he calls us daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, son and daughter. And so our lives then become a response. Our lives then are what we do in the light of that extraordinary salvation. This, for me, personal testimony, was all brought through this thing we call the Global Leadership Summit. I just want to encourage you not to just go, oh yeah, yeah, it's happening again. I'll volunteer, I'll come and pop into a session or two. But seriously, folks, think about it. Pray about it. For me and for Flissy, it was the beginning of a whole new experience of faith. So go to the website, go to the GLS bit. It's a little bit convoluted, the sort of checking in and process, but just stay with it, you'll get it. And join us in October at the Global Leadership Summit. Let me pray, let's all stand. Father God, I want to say thank you that uh, we're never too old to learn. And thank you, dear Lord, that every single one of us here has that thing called desire. And we would have you fan into flame a desire for you. And that we, Lord God, would love you and press into you that we may press on with the things you would have us do. And everyone said, Amen.